You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Welcome to The One Relationship. I'm Tanner here with my co-host, Kate. And today we have the honor and privilege to interview uh, Corey and Jojo Rankin. Um, Corey and Jojo are marriage coaches as well, and they're focused on helping entrepreneurs um, in their marriage and and create a, a stronger family. They have a brand, Our Family Strong, which I love, kind of yeah. a play off of, uh, <laughs> off of your last name. Uh, they're foster parents. They've been married for 12 years. And and uh, they've got a, just an amazing story, and we, we look forward to hearing more from them today and talking about um, some of their experience and what they're seeing in coaching entrepreneurs and, and couples. So, Corey and Jojo, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, you know, let's just jump right in. We kind of joked we were, we were doing a little interview before the interview, but for, uh, for the listeners of the show, let's, uh, let's jump right in. Let's hear a little bit of the backstory story and, um, you know, how you guys were, were led to, to what you're doing today. Yeah. So I, it's kind of an interesting journey. Our lives never turn out the way that we kind of had thought or hoped or planned. Like there's always some different twist on everything. I think, you know, God has a plan for all of us and he totally throws that in. Um, but our journey started a couple of years ago. Um, so it started off, we, I'm a nurse and, um, I was actually, our community had a very, um, big tragedy hit us. And so I was actually working at the hospital. And so I literally saw families destroyed before our eyes, before my eyes. And that night, the first night I came home and I was talking to my husband or Corey and I, we were talking and I was just like, I felt so sick inside. I felt so sad. Like we had been foster parents for a long time. And like, I'd seen a lot of destruction on families, but never to this extent. And, um, so that night I, after talking to Corey, I got a very strong impression. Your mission in life is to help families. And at that time I thought like, well, cool. I'm already in my undergrad to become a marriage and family therapist. I, um, we're, we've already been foster parents. We'd had 30 kids over the years. Like what, what does this mean? And then we fast forward a little bit longer. Like, you know, obviously how it always all works is like you get some impression and then you have to wait a little while and chisel away a little bit. And so, um, a couple of years later, actually last year, um, we were at a physical therapy conference because Corey did physical therapy and, um, we were at a physical therapy conference for entrepreneurs and, or an entrepreneur, physical therapy entrepreneurship conference. I don't know how to explain it, but, um, <laughs> but there we got the impression you need to start your business now. And we thought, what in the world are we going to do? We had been coaching couples for about 12 years, but never officially. Um, and so from there, we started our journey of coaching couples and entrepreneurs and just found amazing um, relationships and, and changing families was our biggest thing. Well, and with physical therapy school, we kind of just, without planning it, we kind of just thought that, oh, well, I'll go physical therapy. 
eventually after school, I'll have a clinic five, 10 years. And we never really planned for a clinic, but we always, it was in everything we did. It was kind of just like it was going to happen. So we never really had any intentions to be business owners, but at this conference, um, one of our good friends we were talking to, and he told us, he says, you know, you don't have to wait to serve people till you get your degree. <laughs> and Jojo was in preparation in her undergrad to go for her master's of social work. And we're like, you're right. And that was the start of our journey. That day at that conference, we signed up for a mastermind for healthcare providers and starting and growing a business. And that was a journey in and of itself, because at that point, we're like, okay, we can do something with foster parents, helping parents with toddlers. And as the Lord guided us and progressed, then we started, well, we're really good at coaching couples. And so we started that. And in um, May of this year, we really started focusing on entrepreneurs. That's so, that's, a, that's amazing. Like, I, I love that idea. Like you got the impression and you have to wait a while, you know, you sort of get a message and you're like, wait a minute, what does this mean? It's kind of a little scary and unknown. Yeah. And, uh, and then you allow it to unfold. And I think that maybe many people um, either tune out the messages or don't, don't have the patience to, to let it unfold. So I, I think it's a beautiful, you know, journey and, and testimony to God of, of what you guys have, you know, created and, and the, the path that you've gone and, and the unknown, you know, journey that, that you're on right now of sort of the twist and turns and, and where it's leading you. Um, let's talk about Corey and Jojo though, as a, <laughs> as a couple, uh, how did you guys meet? And maybe more importantly, how did you two know that you were going to marry each other? So I'll share this because no, no, our no. stories are always different. Be, be, before we get there, the shorter answer is we met over a butterscotch rice krispie treat. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? So okay, go ahead. we met through my brother-in-law and my, and they were my husband. And I was serving uh, as a missionary in South yeah. Carolina in 2005 her right. sister and the companion or the the guy I was uh roommates with as a missionary he married her sister and so they they were kind of on a date and she sent us a package and it came with a rice crispy tree <laughs> and a, just a little note and I was like so as we me and my companion as we lived together as missionaries we went to the front office of the apartment we were living in because we had a, a package slip and we get there the package slip didn't have a name on it so we get there in the office and they hand the package to us i see that it was from north or from uh, new mexico my family's from utah and i don't know anybody from new mexico they're from new mexico so i automatically was like okay it's for him we got in the car after our lunch and we're going and help um more families that we were talking to about christ that day and i was driving and he opened the package and then all embarrassed i see him like putting the package back together i was like what in the world's going on he's like that's actually for you i was like this is for me i don't know anyone in new mexico so i tossed it in the back of the car and waited till that evening before i even looked at it <laughs> but long story short so we actually started writing to each other as like pen pals so my sister had made the rice krispie tree i was on a date with somebody else that day but my sister's like eh, the guy needs some love like just give him a rice krispie treat so she made the rice krispie tree it was crazy but two years what the, two years later we started like really talking really started dating and um the way we knew that we were right for each other was through prayer like honestly we had prayed about it like 
you know, is this, is this right? Because I feel like a lot of people are compatible for each other. And I feel like, you know, that a lot of us can work together and have a fabulous relationship. But I wanted to make sure that I was marrying someone that kept same values as me and that kept the same, um, you know, core principles as me. And so for that, um, I prayed about it and felt very strongly that, you know, we were to get married. And so we did. Well, and I need to build upon that on the prayer a little bit more because I was in Utah at the time and she was in New Mexico. And so it came down to the point where I was working, I was getting ready for school. And so in, in July, June, July, we were, were dating and stuff. And then school started in August. Um, and we were like, okay, yeah, we'll date. We, we weren't that serious. She was really serious. I didn't know how serious it was. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll date things. And so we had that option there, but then as school started, there was never any desire to date anyone. And we just, we talked nearly every day. And as that talking, now we're getting into December-ish and she's like, okay, well, after Christmas, I'm willing to move to Utah. And she had a friend that she moved in with in Utah, packed up her car and came to Utah. And then from, scary. I've never done from, that before. From she, was, she had no job. She had no anything. But from that day forward, we talked every day. If we weren't in person, it was on the phone. And we knew very quickly, we dated for 11 months before we got married, but we knew very quickly that we were going to get married because we didn't want to be around anyone else when it was time to do something. What do you got going on this weekend? It was never the friends. It was always with each other. What yeah. are you doing together? What, how can we do that? And the more time we spent together, the harder it was to get away from each other. And we knew at that time that, okay, now this is something that um, we really want to do and pursue. And I'll let her tell you our engagement story. <laughs> I want to get her version first. No. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say, I, you know, I, I love that. I feel like, you know, there's so many sort of parallels here. We met, you know, very different circumstance. However, we did date long distance for a year and kind of a similar thing where, um, I, I don't know. There's just something about that we found because we were in relationships that weren't long distance before we met. Yep. And I feel that the physical availability can sometimes skew mm -hmm. the true like connection and, and discernment about that relationship. And, and, you know, it becomes convenient and then it's like, Oh man, now we're kind of so wrapped up in this thing. And, yeah. And it's hard to unravel and, and maybe people move in together before they get married. And that's even more hard to unravel. And, um, you know, for us, like that, it, that didn't happen, right? We were, yeah. we were at a distance. We talked almost every day as well. You know, we were using the Voxer app. Uh, we, <laughs> we found that there's a limit of 15, 15 minute minutes. audio message. Voxer, like it just cuts you off. It's like, so hey, there is a limit to Voxer. There is. <laughs> and we found it early on. <laughs> that's hilarious. But yeah, we were, you know, we were two hours apart and, you know, so like I time totally, yeah, to yeah, totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, well, and one thing you had mentioned there is that you're able to have the hard conversations. You're able to actually like have the what's hard for you conversation without having to like have anything physical involved. It's, yeah. it's all emotional connection and, and you truly are able to become best friends in that aspect and learn like what each other needs from each other. And we... We were 10 hours apart, so we didn't see each other very mm -hmm. frequently at all until yeah. she moved from New Mexico to Utah. But the 
another way we knew that things were going to progress and become serious was we talked every night because I, w- I worked a job at a care facility for disabled adults and my shift was 1.30 to 10.30. And so, or from 1.30 to 10. So every time I got home, it was at least 10.15 by the time I could talk to her. And I hate the phone. Like I would much <laughs> rather face-to-face or video chat or someone or just a simple yeah. text message. But yeah. the fact that we talked every single night to the point until I fell asleep. So there were some nights that I woke, would wake up in the morning and the call was still going eight hours long. Like <laughs> we both fell asleep and the call never hung up. Thank goodness for the unlimited minutes on Verizon. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Talk after nine minutes didn't apply. But yeah, there were times that really our connection was still going eight hours later because we both fell asleep. And I was like, okay, this woman is pretty special. The fact that I'll even <laughs> talk to her for more than 20 minutes on a phone call is pretty impressive, <laughs> all alone falling asleep on the phone. You right. know, we're talking about the foundational things, right? And those things that uh, you talk about being long distance, but really just in general for, for couples when they get together to sort of have those conversations about what's important and what what is going to be foundational for you as a couple. Uh some of the people we talk to or, you know, we hear from, from certain people who may be uh, just, you know, messaging us um, that maybe that conversation really didn't happen. Right. And they didn't really get very clear about the foundational side of things Um, with the couples you've helped and knowing your journey and knowing how important it is. Like, how do you help couples uh, remember those pieces if they did, you know, have it, at the start, um, or create it if they really didn't address it before they got married, but they want their marriage to, to last and, and be strong. Yeah. So there's quite a few things that we do and obviously it depends on the couple. Um, but we do follow a framework that we kind of created. We, some of the biggest things that we focus on is the communication and the emotional bond, because with the emotional bond, the physical bond comes, you know, and, and things like that. But um, having those hard conversations of what's hard for you and serving each other is one of the biggest aspects that we find is the most kind of brings you back to your relationship, what you were in the beginning. Because if you think about it in the beginning, you were serving each other. You were trying to impress each other, whether it was, um, you know, just simple things like, hey, I'm going to go pick something up for you. But you were serving each other. Um, and then also you were communicating. That's part of why you got in the relationship, right? You were at least communicating a little bit on things that you had goals for, things that, you know, you had a vision for your relationship. But as we as we become, you know, married and, and st- time goes on and kids come, like, I mean, we've had so many kids in our house in and out and in and out. But if we didn't keep our vision of our family and our relationship, if we didn't have those simple conversations, Um, one thing that we do is we lock our door every night. We have five kids. We have to lock our door every single night at seven 30. It is bedtime. And that is our time to talk. So as you have things change in your life, readjust those, uh, those things that you used to do to fit what, what is currently happening. I don't know if that came out in English. Did that that come out in English? That makes sense. one, One thing I need to add to that is the way that we can help couples is we help them identify Whatever your current situation is now, that's what we have to work with. And so a lot of times couples like Jojo had mentioned that they did serve each other. They did. They were in love and they did have a strong, solid relationship at first. And then as they went hard in the business, they've become casual and not on on accident. They've kind of 
pulled apart and they've lost that connection. And so one thing that we really find a lot of success with, regardless of where the people are, today is where you are. That's what we have to work on. We can't control what has happened in the past. And that becomes important because mo most couples you can pinpoint, whether it was when they were first engaged in the first couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years, when they were, were married, whatever it is, there's usually a time where we can find that, okay, things were going really well. And this was the highlight of our relationship. So let's get back to that point. Let's figure out what changed. Let's do a lot more of what we did then when things were going well. Let's do less of what we're doing now that has got us in this problem. And that is useful that if you really identify, okay, where we are today, that's our new starting point. And that, that becomes important because my best friend in high school, his marriage was initiated not on an emotional connection, but on a physical connection. And they were very active sexually very quickly in their relationship. And they got married very quickly without having the bond um, that they needed. And they've had a lot of problems. They're, they're both great and they are working and they've made a lot of progress there. But I know I was on a call a couple months ago just as a friend and he's like, man, our our marriage started on the wrong foot because it was a physical connection and start and start of, instead of an emotional connection. And so if that's the circumstances your relationship is in, or you felt like, okay, we have had times that things were really good. Or if your relationship is argued and fought the majority of our relationship, we don't really know when a good time was. Okay. Well, when was the happiest time you've been over the last few weeks, whatever it is, we set a baseline to find something good because most people can beat themselves up in this world today over what they haven't done or what they have not accomplished or the, their failures. So we start with a foundation of whatever you did that was good, let's start there. And so whether it was my friend with his physical connection, then we initially start when they're happy and start to build an emotional connection. And if they've had that emotional connection, we just tap back into that. And that's a thing that has helped us have a lot of success that's different than like a marriage therapist per se is a lot of times people want to focus on the past. Mm -hmm. We can't control the past. The past is the past. And if we focus on the past, it will take away opportunities and memories and opportunities we have for success in the future. So we really establish, okay, where's at least a positive that we can start on because then we can start to build that connection and everything that we do can work towards a positive. So that's kind of where we start, how we start and, I know it's a long answer to your question, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think that's great, right? Because there are a lot of people who are listening, like, I, I don't know when I had a good day, right? Mm -hmm. But if they actually just take the time to, to look back, whether they've been married a year or 10 years, right? Like you, you just have to stop and look back and find what that baseline is. How do you help couples embrace their differences. Like the two of us recognize like we, we can be very different and you hear the phrase opposites attract. And although <laughs> there's certainly some truth in that, you still have to have foundational things that are going to be on the same page in order for the differences to work. But there's also still some, you know, push and pull when it comes to differences. So how do you help couples with embracing that? 
Yeah. So this is something that we actually deal with every day because with entrepreneurs, usually it's one is the entrepreneur, one is definitely not. And so there's a lot of backlash, a lot of fighting and a lot of clash that happens with that. And and if you apply it to any aspect of your life, whether it's, um, you know, religious beliefs or political beliefs, whatever that is in your family that's causing that wedge, if you apply the same principles and stop and take a look back, just be still for a minute and think about, okay, what, what is it that we do have in common? What areas is it that we can negotiate on? Is it that I'm not spending enough time at home and that's why we're clashing? Is it, is it that we don't like doing anything the same? What are some things that we do like doing the same? What are some things that make it so we don't fight? Um, And so if you're able to even just write down one or two things and focus on those one or two things, it makes a huge impact. For instance, our entrepreneurs, a lot of the time, it's the time that they take away from their family to spend on the business because they're grinding and they're just like a bike. Like they're just keep going, keep going, keep going. And they think someday my family will appreciate it but someday your family might not be there, right? Like, so if we keep pushing and we keep shoving that family out, your spouse out, eventually you're gonna look and they're not, they're not there. And so what we focus on is, okay, let's, let's um, evaluate what are the core things that they need in order to become happy again, in order to um, spark that joy again, in order to feel like they are being served. And Kate, when you asked that question, my mind went flooding with, ideas and comments and I had to really take back and so the three things that I can limit that question to is um selfless service we talked about selfless service breaks down barriers we all have barriers we all have different walls that we put up and if we just serve if we serve selflessly not expecting anything in return we can break down those barriers we can overcome any differences that we have so that's the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask about how do you deal with differences. The second thing that comes to my mind is 100% and 100%. A lot of you mm-hmm. mentioned that opposites attract and many, many people talk about a marriage 50-50. Absolutely not. Yeah. We talk about 100-100. And what I mean by that is you give 100% of the best that you have that day. Your spouse gives 100% of the best that they have that day. And you'll meet in the middle. And whatever that looks like, hundred percent of the best that you have today might come from a time where you're sad, you're depressed, you're frustrated, you're lonely. Your best might be only 25% of the best version of yourself. But if that's the best you have today, then that's the best that you have today. And hopefully my bad day is matching in line with her good day. So we still are about a hundred percent, but if it's a hundred, a hundred, people think, Oh, 50, 50, let's carry the load halfway. And that's kind of true because you are a team. But if you take this approach, 100, 100, I will give 100% of what I have today, regardless of what that looks like. If I'm bruised, battered, beaten down emotionally, whatever that is, whatever I have today, 100% of that is still better than zero. So that's what I will give. So that's the second thing that comes to my mind. And the third thing that comes to my mind through uh, matching differences is love languages. If we truly understand the love languages of our spouse, we can make sure their needs are met according to their love language. A mistake that we often see couples make is that when um, they're trying to serve or take care of the needs of their spouse, they're doing it in a way that meets their own personal love language. And that leaves their spouse unfulfilled, feels like their needs are not met. 
But if you truly understand your spouse's love language, now you can serve in a way you can use a combination of the love language to really meet their needs. Because if someone has a love language of physical touch, your love language is service and you don't understand why your your partner is not responding for you serving them all the time and they feel frustrated. Well, they want that connection. They want that physical touch. If so, if you give gifts and that's not someone's love language, then it might look like, oh, you don't appreciate my gifts. And so you can see how it becomes difficult to really meet the needs of your spouse if you're talking the wrong love language. And so that's the third thing that comes to my mind when we talk about difference, because there are five love languages. They can be very much different. But if I know Jojo's love language, I can serve her in a way that meets that love language. And if she knows my love language, she can now serve me in a way that meets that love language. And the way that is executed is very different. And so I think that's probably the easiest place to start when you are different because you are different, but your team, your, your marriage is meant to last forever and it's not meant to quit when something gets hard. So I think that is my best recommendation for when things get tough or our opposites or different personalities that to solve that. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned the love languages because, um, you know, I think one of the things kind of like you mentioned that we've seen is somebody feels like they're giving and giving and giving, but they're giving out of what they want, not out of what their spouse wants, right? They're giving out of their love language. I'm always buying them things. I'm always saying nice things. I'm all, you know, and it just feels like it's never enough or it falls on deaf ears or their spouse is, is ungrateful or, you know, all these things. And it's like, no, it's actually that that's not what resonates with them. That's not what your spouse values. That's not what their love language is. Uh, so I, I'm glad that, you know, you, you threw that one in there as, as one of the big three, um, because we all are all individuals. And we, I think, where did we get the hundred, a hundred? Is that your parents? My dad said that. Did your me. dad say that too? Yeah. 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 Growing up, I always heard that it's not 50, 50. It's always a hundred, hundred. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're big believers that like you show up yes. as whole self in your marriage. And, and the other thing that we really kind of visually like is like, we're planting a garden together, you know, or yes. we're working on a project together. And that, that is called our relationship. It's not me versus you. It's us contributing to this third entity, which I like to think of as a garden. Um, yeah. And so I Marriage. think like we're <laughs> yeah. spot, spot on with a lot of those things that you just said. Um, but we, we talked and, and you guys have kind of touched on it you know, you got into this really organically, right? Like you were just, you're helping your friends and family and other people. And, and as you have transitioned through life and having, you know, younger kids into older kids, you've sort of evolved in, in the types of families that you work with. And now you've transitioned from sort of helping, you know, families with younger kids into specifically helping entrepreneurs. Um, and you kind of alluded to it in our, our interview before the interview, but like, Tell us, tell us about some of those differences that you're seeing in terms of, you know, just your couples and friends you've worked with versus like coaching um, entrepreneur couples. I'm happy to answer that question. But before I do, Tanner, can I just make a challenge to your listeners real quick? Please. Yeah. So I, anybody that hears this, whether it's today live or wherever you hear, I want you to stop and figure out how can I best meet the needs of the people that I love the most, whether it's your spouse, your children, your coworkers, whoever it is, figure out their love language, or at very least figure out how can you meet their needs? 
because once you meet the needs of the people that you care about most in a way that resonates with them, you'll see your relationships start to thrive. So that is my challenge to anybody that hears this. Love it. Figure out today how you can best serve the people that you love by meeting their needs specifically, whether it's identifying their love languages, figuring out what is hard for them and lightening their burden that way. That is my challenge. Figure out today. Don't wait. Figure it out today at latest tomorrow. <laughs> like, like that. At latest tomorrow. But now, yeah. Figure it out today at latest tomorrow how you can best serve that because relationships are meant to be enjoyed and too many people are not enjoying their marriage their marriage, their relationships, they're in a roommate status, they're not enjoying their relationship, they're not being fulfilled in a way that God wants them to be fulfilled. So that is my challenge to you. Figure out how to best meet the needs of your people, whether it's your spouse, your children, your coworkers, whoever it is, your aunt, uncle, whatever <laughs> it is. So that's a challenge I want everyone to do. And I hope you're okay with that, Tanner. Yeah. I love it. I think, no, I think I think that's great. I think I'll just I'll let you answer the question, but I want to say that I think uh, as you say that, um, so many people think about what am I getting out of this situation? What am I getting out of this relationship? Why am why are my needs not being met? And not thinking about what am I giving into this relationship, and how am I contributing? And, uh, you know, there, there's the Zig Ziglar saying, which relates to business, which is if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Right. And, and I think it's the exact same in your relationships. And, uh, we mentioned that on a Facebook live just earlier today, somebody asking about, you know, getting out of their relationship and it's like, well, what are you contributing? How are you showing up as a, as a positive reinforcement for your spouse, rather than focusing on the deficiency. So I, I love that challenge. Um, we'll, uh, uh, we'll hear a little bit more from Corey and Jojo, but you can pause right now and come back. It's that important of, uh, of a challenge, uh, but, but don't let 24 hours pass, like Corey said. Yeah, that. yeah. and to answer your question from earlier, um, I think the biggest things, and, and kind of going along with what you had just said as well. So I want to share a little experience. So we had this woman and she kept a text of every single thing that her husband did that just kind of either ticked her off or irritated her or taking score basically, right? Like sometimes it's really hard in marriage not to take score. Sometimes it's really, really hard, but it is so important that we don't take score. She said that she sat there forever and, and read through her text and sat there and sat there and sat there and was like about to send this text to her husband. And then something just told her, you know, is it better to be right or to be married? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, sometimes we have to ask ourselves that, is it better to be right or to be married? Now to answer your question earlier about what's the differences um, between entrepreneur marriages and, you know, uh, generic, not generic, basic couple. I don't know how to put that term, but are us like normal couples, right? Um, and, and I would say the biggest difference is a lot of entrepreneurs, it's really hard to create a balance to create because they once had a family balance. They once had um, whether a relationship that was smooth sailing and everything was going right to all of a sudden there's this huge thing that is now impacting their family. And if they don't succeed in this huge thing, they either one will feel like failures um, or two, they'll feel like it's destroying their family. Yeah. And so 
our biggest push that we tell couples is to, obviously we evaluate where they're at. What are their biggest needs? Is it communication? Is it emotional bond? What are their biggest needs that the, the couple needs? But then we dissect it even smaller to what can the entrepreneur do to change things? So it's kind of back to the way that it used to be when things were more happy, when they were able to communicate. And a lot of the time, the things that we see are they need the time balance. They need to have, we once ate dinners as a family and we no longer do that. So we focus on, okay, how can we change that to make it so they're able to eat dinner with their family and, and go to bed together, pray together. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things is that if, if families are able to kind of keep a similar routine before the business took over and before the business became a huge impact, then, then there's smooth sailing. There's not this huge entrepreneur wedge in their relationship. It's not this huge wedge in the tree that, you know, that is building over time and becomes crooked. It's now we have a, a routine and I'm here for you and you're still my number one. And I'm still producing our dreams and our passions. And I'm still able to do all the things that we need to do as entrepreneurs, but focusing first on that family aspect. What am I, what does my spouse need? Scheduling your spouse in first before you schedule your clients in. Um, those kind of things can change the entire relationship because it will tell, it'll help the, the spouse feel number one, that they're involved in the business. And number two, that they actually matter more than the business. Mm -hmm. And another aspect that we like to help couples understand is that send your spouse a text of the day, whether you're working in your office and you haven't seen them in like six hours because you're heavy working, send them a text saying, Hey, I'm just thinking about you. I love you. You know, send them a text of the day just to remind them that, they actually do matter and you are thinking about them, even though you're grinding and trying as hard as you can to push forward dreams. See, and another, another difference that we recognize with entrepreneurs is that entrepreneurs are driven and at least the successful ones, at least the entrepreneurs that are having an impact, they're driven, they're problem solvers. So when they have deadlines and they have things to get done, when they have fulfillment to meet the needs of a client, they work, they work, they work and they grind really hard. And sometimes the family is neglected. And so when you're dealing with a relationship that is not an entrepreneur re relationship, you don't have as much of that um, lack of time. You don't have as much of the grind and the drive. And a lot, one of the biggest challenges with dealing with entrepreneurs is we have to kind of control their strengths. Hmm. A lot of times mm -hmm. the strength of an entrepreneur is their ability to problem solve their ability to take on a lot to be organized to manage their time to meet deadlines and stuff but if that's not managed well what's forgotten family because we all have the same 168 hours in the week and nobody can create more time but we can create how we use our time and so entrepreneurs are always busy they're always using their time and so there's a difference between an entrepreneur who is busy and always working versus someone that might be a workaholic that is in the office late but also couples that aren't in an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial relationship of any sort, many of them feel defeated or not satisfied in their employment or their current job, whether it's underemployed, they work too many hours and things like that. And so the, tr the struggles are different. The, the outcome's still the same, whether they work too long or they don't have enough focus time in the family. But with entrepreneurs, we really have to kind of limit their strengths. And what I mean by that is the drive, the go, 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 the work harder, the grind, grind, grind. We have to put a stop to that a little bit and get them to put their family the first priority and the business second. So actually when it's done properly in a relationship that is built on 
Christ at the center is the business should actually be third place. Yeah. God should be first. The family and the marriage should be second and everything else should be after that. And that becomes important because usually the pyramid is flipped. Yeah. The business becomes first priority. God is often forgotten and neglected and we don't feel fulfilled spiritually, but also our marriage and our children often, um, get neglected too so that's the biggest change that we see with entrepreneurs is we just a lot of it's a priority thing a lot of the problems stem because of time and not dedicating the attention that they need and i don't know about you but most us most entrepreneurs they cannot shut it off they have their mind is going they've got imagination they got (laughs) and they can't shut it off and that's where a lot of the time the family feels neglected is because they get up before the kids go to school they're working through the night. They're not going to bed at the same time as their spouse. They just can't turn it off. But when our family becomes the first priority and we do turn it off, we have a hard stop at eight o'clock or seven 30 or dinner time, whatever it is. I think when we can solve that issue and start to flip that priority to number one, then a lot of those other problems disappear. And in fact, the business becomes stronger because there's more clarity and work there. It's more boundaries. There's more fulfillment at home. And when things are not going well at home, it's very difficult for them to go well in the business. Things are carried both ways from the business and from the home. And so if things are not going well at home, the people you serve in your business will feel it. And then your choices, your decision, your effectiveness are impaired as well. And so that those are some of the challenges that we see with an entrepreneur. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking right to us. We, you know, we used to um, sort of justify like, oh, we might have a training call on or something like while we're eating dinner with the kids. And it's like, well, but it's business, you know, and, and we've got to do this, or we might join something after dinner. And, um, you know, just, I, I really think with, uh, just sort of the, you know, everything changing this year and, and, and at least for us being forced to look at uh, priorities and understanding like the importance of the structure of our day and, and kind of those bookends of, you know, how do you start your day and how do you end your day? Um, we've made a lot of changes that are right in alignment with, with what you guys are talking about. And, yeah. and because of that, um, it, it has meant letting some things go, right? We work yeah. with people um, on the East coast that, uh, sort of would have these standing like nine o'clock East coast calls, just because for them, the kids are in bed and everything is sort of done. And it's like the, la- the way to wrap up. And we're like, you know, it's seven o'clock for us yeah, here in mountain exactly. time. Like, we just, we can't do it. Like, it doesn't matter what night of the week, like we, we just, we're not able to, to do that. Um, yeah. or certain things that are early in the day when we're getting kids ready and we're having time for ourselves And, and, uh, you know, I think what, what you said, Corey, like by making those changes, I almost said sacrifices, but I'm just going to say changes. I think yeah. to some people, they feel like sacrifices. They feel like, oh, I'm losing something here. But by making those changes and getting God, family, and the rest of the world uh, in the right priority, um, we haven't lost anything. Like we've yeah. gained, you know, we've gained clarity. We've gained strength. We've gained the right type of clients. So um, I, I love what you're saying there because that we've experienced that in, in our own life, especially in the last six months. Um, I know that you guys have a, a couple of resources. You have an ebook, a, a website, and a, and a group online for Facebook. 
Um, I, I'm just going to ask you, you know, any final words you want to leave our listeners with, and then please tell them the best place to, to connect with you and the, and the resources that you have available. Yeah, so there's, um, we have a few ebooks that we can send. We also have communication journals and we have parenting child journals as foster parents, we created those. But um, the best way to contact us is through our Facebook group, Strong Business, Stronger Marriage. Um, and, and in there, we give out marriage tips, obviously, but also um, just kind of how to, how to function throughout life um, and marriage at the same time. Like, like I said, we've had 30 kids over the years. We, you know, it's, that's crazy. It's, know. God bless <laughs> you for that. So beautiful. <laughs> we had never planned for any of this, but you know, it, it is what it is. And circus always goes on. Right. But, um, but yeah, so the best way to contact us is through the, through the strong business, stronger marriage podcast or uh, not podcast, the, hey, the Facebook group. Um, but I would say from my final words, I would say the family that prays together stays together. I'm a firm believer in that. And I feel regardless of your situation, if you're praying for your spouse, it, it'll give you the clarity that you need. Yeah. yeah and so that, that's the best place to find us is Facebook. Um, we do have a website, but Facebook is easier. And so we'll, okay. we'll make sure that Ken and Kate put that in the show notes, either our personal profile or the Facebook group or both. And then we do have some journals on Amazon that are helpful for communication and stuff. And we have an, we have an ebook that we're happy to share for free with anyone about tips for keeping your marriage and your business alive. And so that's something we can get you through a direct message in Facebook or through the Facebook group or whatever works best for you. And so you can find us there on Facebook. And if you struggle there, and Kate, Kate and Tanner, they can find us too. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll we'll link it up in the show notes yep. and make sure make it easy for people to to find you. And uh, we've we've got your links here as well. So, uh, Corey and Jojo, thank you so much for your thank time. You. Uh, very very insightful. I feel uh, you know we're very well aligned in in a lot of things that we're doing. And yeah. uh, like we talked about before we started this interview, you know there are. Um, it's just so many people that could just use uh, another couple to love on them. Just somebody to say, hey, I've been there. I understand. We're going to get right. through this. And uh, it's really great, you know, to, to see what uh, what you two are doing for, for all of those people in, uh, in your life. And uh, we've learned, uh, I've taken some, some great nuggets <laughs> away from this interview. So, yeah. so thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now. And we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the contact us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more real talk on The One Relationship.